This week on Myths and Legends, it's two stories from Chinese folklore. In the first, it's a couple who likes to travel and gives a whole new meaning to marrying your best friend. On the second story, we'll see how a little bit of murder can fill your house with love. And we'll meet a calf that's great at playing dodgeball and is definitely dry clean only. Then on the Creature of the Week, you'll see a man helping to keep small businesses open. If those small businesses are potion brewing witches that help him be sleazy. This is Myths and Legends, episode 257, Love Me, Love Me. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today on the show, it's Valentine's Day week, and we're bringing two stories from Chinese folklore. The first is about a husband and wife in this life and the next based on the story called Husband and Wife in This Life and in the Life to Come. Marriage, spouses, these were beautiful things. And the husband and wife pair in our story couldn't agree more. Their life and their love together was, well, it was ideal more than either had ever hoped to find. Comfortable, but not in that I-don't-try-anymore way that leads to ultimatums. No, theirs was an I-know-you-fully and I-love-you-even-more-because-of-it sort of love. Unfortunately, it ended all too soon. One day, earlier than either could have ever imagined, the wife breathed her last, and the husband found himself all alone. It was a tragic day that bled into a sad week a sad month, and then one day, months later, the husband made a decision. He had had enough. Why sit here and wallow? He loved his wife. He wanted her back. So, he would simply go and find her. All at once, he stood and strutted out the front door, down the dirt path, and straight out of town. Within a few hours, an inn rose on the horizon. Soon, the man ducked inside, his feet weary from the long journey. He eased onto a bench, knuckling the small of his back. From behind a long bar, the innkeeper stood drying a cup as a server sidled over with a smile. The husband turned. Uh, yeah, he could use some help. He heard people say that the dead turn into ghosts in the spirit land after life in this world, he said behind a cup of water. Was it true? Had she heard of it? The server pointed to a window, then motioned up the road. Actually, yeah. The spirit land was a little ways up that path. He could make it there and back in a single day, which she highly recommended doing. She refilled the stranger's cup. No sense staying there before his time. Now what else could she get him? So it did exist. I'm looking for my wife, the husband shared. She died several months ago. The server's smile flickered briefly, and if the husband hadn't been stunning the woman's face, he would have missed it. Please, if you know something, I need to know, he begged. One of the cooks shouted something from the back, and the server abruptly turned away. But then the server returned, set down a steaming plate of dumplings, and whispered something under her breath. 
if he wished to find his wife in the land of the ghosts, he should go there and stand by the well in the center of town. His wife would likely come to draw water. The server disappeared a second time, this time leaving the husband to his appetite and thoughts. Early the next morning, the man set out with a stomach full of butterflies, turned up the path, and blended into the trees. Signs of human life dwindled with every step, and before he knew it, a blanket of fog hung in the air like a low cloud. Find the well and wait, he told himself time and time again. Simple enough. Soon, he will be reunited with his precious other half. He couldn't wait to see her again. With his next step, the man came out of the curtain of fog and found himself in a small town. At the center of a grassy field sat a well by a low wall of rough stones. The husband took a seat on the edge of the wall and waited. And waited. And wait, there she was. Off the road, off to the right, a woman came walking toward the well. The man's eyes glistened. He could recognize her face, her gait, everything about her, anywhere, even here in the land of ghosts. Hardly able to contain himself, the husband leapt from the wall, waving and grinning wildly, overjoyed to be reunited at last. But it was not the reunion the man had envisioned. The woman showed no reaction. It was as though she didn't see or hear or miss him at all. Color drained from the husband's face as he watched his love fill her pail from the well and begin to leave. He called out to her, tried to follow, but she just kept walking. Returning to the land of the dead, it was her and yet not her at all. Welcome back, what'll it be? The server asked, leaning a hand on the small table in the corner of the inn. The husband sat slouched in a chair, face buried in his hands. How about some answers? What's that, hon? I, did, I didn't catch it. Maybe take your hands off of your... F I said answers! How about some answers? Tension grew with every word. He'd gone to the spirit world and sat by the well, just like the server had said to do. But when his wife came to draw water, she ignored him. Could she not see him? Surely it wasn't that she didn't want to see him. The server set down her tray and told the man to take a deep breath. This was easy to fix. He had to have some money, she explained. She'd forgotten to mention that the other day. It was dinner rush. But now the guy knew. So when his wife came to draw water, the man only needed to drop a small coin into her pail. She would talk to him then. It was amazing how quickly the husband's mood changed at the news. Perfect. He would do just that. Thank you. Really, thank you. He flew upstairs to rest, but only a few hours. A quick nap. That was all he needed. Then he would hit the road again. Soon, he was climbing up the hill, marching through the cloud of fog with confidence. The well sat just a little way into the grassy field, and... Oh, his wife was almost to the well. The man broke into a run, tossing a small coin into an empty pail just as she reached the rocky ledge. All at once, it was though a curtain lifted. With eyes as clear as glass, the wife stood tall and grinned. Him, here, with her once again. They embraced, never wanting to let each other go, and then talked back and forth before the wife grew sad. But... You have to go back home, she forced at last, wiggling a stone with the toe of her shoe. 
she had died. She was dead. Her time was over, and her husband couldn't stay. Split between worlds, the couple was no longer a couple, it seemed. No longer married. How could that be? The man wondered, staring longingly after his partner. She was already halfway across the field. Wait, no. He had made it all the way here to be reunited with his wife, and he would not turn away that easily. He dashed after her, determined to change her mind. But no matter what he saw or how fervently he pleaded, she continued on, all the way to the small house at the edge of the village. At last, she turned around. Look, it was so meaningful that he wanted to be together. She did too, but this was where they had to say goodbye. Her husband wouldn't be happy. Wait, your husband? What? What? With a sigh, the woman explained that things were different in the spirit world. Here, she had been married away to a ghost. She had had no choice in the matter. Well, actually, come to think of it, that sounded fairly similar to how marriage still worked in the land of the living. You married a ghost? Well, it, it's an officer ghost, but yeah. That doesn't make it better, okay? Yeah, it turns out he's, um, really terrible, too. The man started bouncing on the balls of his feet, warming up his arms and shoulders. Shadow boxing. He took a few practice swings at nothing. How big we talking here? She looked at him. Get serious. Okay, no. She said, look, he, he's ranked in the underworld. He was a monster. She told her still-living husband that she loved him. She loved him so much that she would rather spend an eternity without him than see him come to harm. He held her hands. He understood, but he would rather face harm than spend an eternity without her. She said, but her angry ghost husband. He would eat the man whole. He smiled at her. Then she has lost nothing, and he has lost only his pain. And so it was that the husband went inside with his wife, but with strict instructions. He would play the role of her brother, who had come to visit and he was not to eat anything unless he saw his wife eat it first. Food in the underworld was often riddled with frogs and worms, all poisonous to visitors, and also they were frogs and worms. The couple closed the door softly, sat down at the small table, and waited. Just before dinner time, a clunky boot burst through the door, pulling a ghost with sharp teeth and outstretched claws inside. I smell man meat, the ghost declared. In two steps, he stood before the living man and widened his mouth to swallow him whole. The man braced himself. Welp, that was fast. The woman shouted for him to wait. That man was her brother. Tension hung in the air as the officer ghost mulled it over. Well, why didn't she say so? He would have come home early if he had known his brother-in-law was coming to visit. The ghost tossed off his boots, ghost mud splattering on the wall. His wife would need to get that later. He sat down, laughing about, wouldn't it be nice if people used the shared calendar consistently and updated it with important things like in-laws coming to visit? Everyone chuckled along, but the ghost turned cold and slammed a fist onto the table. The whole house shook and fell silent. There it was, his temper. The wife hurried to bring over tea, and subdued conversations began over the table. That first night was a long one. And so were the following 10 days. Yes, the human husband from the land of the living stuck around for 10 whole days, refusing to leave his wife 
it helped a lot that the officer ghost was a bit of a workaholic, leaving for many hours every day to go to the king of the underworld's office. He grumbled every day as he left, and the husband and wife simply nodded, as they always did. Whatever it took to not start a fight, that was how they survived. Eventually, the woman sat her first husband down. What were they doing here? This was no way to live. Literally, lingering in the land of the dead before his time was no way for the husband to live. He was still alive. Shouldn't he go live and be free in his remaining years? She sat there, deep in thought. Then it came to her. It was perfect. If they couldn't be married in the spirit world, they should just leave. Run away? Wait, they can do that? It was worth a try, and so that very day, they snuck away from the officer ghost's tiny house and they fled into the woods, hand in hand. For ten more days, they ran and camped, ran and camped. Then, on the eleventh day, they reached the overworld. The man was confused. He guessed they took a different way out, because it only took him a single day. Twice. Oh, and that inn, he left pretty much all of his stuff there, including all of his money. Huh. The wife patted him on the back. It was her turn to navigate. Turning left, they hiked through the woods for another 20 minutes or so and arrived at a clearing. Nestled between a modest garden and a neat stack of chopped wood was a house. A house that probably had cold water to drink. I'm so thirsty, the wife said, through cracked lips. He looked her over. Hmm, away from the spirit land, she wasn't looking great. I mean, she still looked great, but uh, she was kind of withering? She turned and offered her husband a coin. Well, half a coin. She had incredible grip strength and had broken the coin in two, like two halves of a friendship necklace. It was a sweet gesture, and the man smiled and waved as the woman jogged to the house and disappeared inside for a drink. It gave the man some alone time, which he spent balanced on a large rock, reflecting on the past few weeks, a few months really, his wife had died, he'd mourned, mustered up, and left, and then walked to the spirit world twice, escaped an officer ghost, and now he had a second chance with his lovely wife and life partner. And here they were, happy ending. He must have lost himself in thought for several hours, because when he looked up, night had begun to fall. They should really get going and set up camp, he thought. So he hopped down from the rock and headed toward the house. The man who answered was gruff and pretty annoyed by the looks of him. I mean, travelers showing up in the middle of the dark forest in the Middle Ages? Eh, I don't know if I'd trust them either. Even more because the guy insisted that his wife went in this house. The woodsman denied receiving any guests the entire day. The man said, but he saw his wife come in here with his own eyes. He refused to accept the homeowner's words. The homeowner said, look, man, I do not care if you believe me or not. It's me and my wife in this house. He pulled out an axe. And also this axe. That's it. If you understand what I'm implying. Just then, from behind the man's looming shape in the door, came the sharp sound of a baby. The man stood stunned. The baby cried again. The traveler, our protagonist, said, Uh, your baby is crying? The homeowner just stood there. He, they hadn't been pregnant. He whirled around, eyes beginning to brim with tears, and ran to the back room, where his wife was cradling their newborn. 
their prayers had been answered. Outside, the traveler stood confused, amid the jubilation echoing from the back room. He allowed himself a quick look around the house while they were occupied with their new baby. His wife wasn't there. She had left him here when it was her idea to leave in the first place. They say that becoming a parent changes a person. I would very much agree with that statement, and so would the brand new parents out in the woods. They were so tickled at their new addition to the family that when the husband asked if he could stick around as a handyman of sorts, they agreed. It was a win-win. The husband could continue waiting for his wife, wherever she had gone, and the, new, and the new parents had an extra set of hands to help out around the house. The husband also had no money, no clothes, and no idea where he was or where to go, so not a lot of great options. He proved to be very helpful, though, fixing windows, weeding the garden, and helping soothe the baby. You see, the little one cried all the time. It was loud and heartbreaking, too, and it seemed that only the protective arms of the visiting man were able to console the tiny baby. The mother told him that he was a godsend. As she watched the man rock the sleeping daughter in the corner, he smiled and began to hum a little tune. Years passed, and the little girl reached 17 years of age. And on her, let's say, 18th birthday, because that makes this marginally better, the family of four celebrated. Mom, dad, daughter, and handyman. But it was the daughter who gifted a surprise that day. As they all sat huddled around the table, she held out her left hand. A fist. It had actually been that way since birth. For the first few years, the parents had tried to pry her fingers open, but nothing worked. Even the handyman's soft songs and gentle words did nothing. But today, on her 18th birthday, the girl raised her fist and unfurled her fingers one by one. The handyman gasped and the parents looked wildly between their daughter and the permanent visitor. What, what did they miss? What was so surprising about, what was that, half a coin? It's you, stammered the man, pulling the other half of the coin from his pocket. They hurried to place both halves of the coin together, best friends forever, and husband and wife once more. Well, hold on there, began the father, rising to his feet. I'm just kidding, it's totally your choice, he said with a smile. Mother and father embraced their daughter, roping in the guest turned handyman turned son-in-law. Welcome to the family. You know, to me, it seems like this whole story could be a metaphor for the man moving on after losing his wife. His wife's motivation, the ghost, stays the same the whole time. She says he is still alive. He needs to live, not spend his time in the land of the dead, pining for what was, always looking back. So she leads him out, strands him, and leaves him. And he's forced to heal, slowly, and probably painfully. At first he waits for her, but then he makes some new connections with the family there. Maybe the young woman at the end was actually his wife reincarnated, but maybe that was, again, just a metaphor for moving on to something similar but different from this beautiful love he once shared with his first wife. And I think we can all agree that he was way too old for her. I mean, really, he's old enough to be her father and then some. Also, it seems like 
basically raising your spouse from a baby would be a hard thing to get over. Regardless, this is folklore. So, I'm glad the marriage was between two consenting adults and not a strange man and a baby. Two consenting adults and not a strange man and a baby. And that's our first love story for today. Our second tale also comes from Chinese folklore. It's a look at, quote, the pretty little calf. We stay in the land of the living this time, and we start with a family of four, a husband and his three wives. But that will be right after this. Three wives and yet no son. It was all the villagers ever said. Not directly to the officer, of course, but behind his back. He would smile and go about his business, pretending not to hear their gossip that echoed over his shoulder, even though his own thoughts were the same. The numbers were in his favor, after all. Three wives, but no children. Son, daughter, it didn't matter. Children was all he wanted. One day, a letter arrived. The officer was getting a promotion and had to report for training in one week's time. Ultimately, it was good news, though being away did make the whole growing a family thing more difficult. Still, duty called. He hugged each of his three wives and turned to head out. That was when the first wife spoke up, come home safely, and she would give him gold when he came back. Thoughtful gesture. The man smiled. That would be really nice, thanks. Not to be outdone, the second wife stepped forward. I, too, want your safe return. When you come home, I'll give you silver. The man said, that's, you know, you're kind of immediately outdone by the gold. But yeah, also, thank you. That was very thoughtful. Both wives turned to face a third and youngest wife. She didn't have gold or silver to give, but perhaps her gift would suffice. She said, a child. I will have a son before you return. She rested her hand on her abdomen and smiled. The husband's eyes grew wide, and he embraced her. A child! That would be the best gift of all, truly. With that, the officer left. In his absence, the first and second wives wasted no time closing in on the third, with shadowed looks. One seemed angry, the other shocked. Both were jealous despite neither believing there would actually be a child. It was all any of them had hoped for for all this time, and yet... They were all left wanting. But the older wives were wrong. The youngest wife did give birth to a healthy baby. Yes, it happened to be a boy, like she said. He was healthy and strong, too. It was unbelievable, said one wife, kicking her pile of gold. The other fell to her knees, wishing and begging for it not to be true. Then, in silent rage, the women looked to one another. They knew what had to be done. Thanks for coming to see me, the third wife greeted weakly from the bed. Her child lay sleeping in a basket nearby while she rested. The first wife drew near, bearing the oddest gift, a red cloth. Maybe it was for swaddling the baby. Before she could catch her breath, however, the eldest wife wrapped the cloth several times around the mother's face and over her eyes. She could barely breathe and couldn't see at all while the woman struggled and screamed the second wife had begun beating wildly on a large drum, strapped to her front. 
the new mother thrashed her head side to side, and exhausted, scared, and confused, she passed out atop the pillows, and all went dark. An hour or so later, she opened her eyes. Soft light trickled in through the window, and a vase of fresh flowers rested on a small table next to her bed. She took a slow, deep breath. All was quiet, except for faint footsteps. The young mother sat up, wincing as she did so. Wait, the two women, they, they knocked her out with a cloth? Smothered her. They beat a drum so no one would hear the screams. Drum? Cloth? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Dear, you need some rest, one wife said. The woman looked over to the empty bassinet, but her baby. The elder wives looked to one another, sadly. Oh, in the trauma she had forgotten. The baby had been born, but hadn't made it. Sorry, said the eldest wife. Yeah, it was like a horrible lump of flesh that came out, the original says. The middle wife said with a smile. She looked at the eldest. Did she nail her line just now? With the deception and all that? She nailed it. The oldest looked back to the youngest in disgust. Uh, sorry that the middle wife couldn't read the room. But the youngest was weeping, face in her hands. We'll let you rest, the elder wife said, and slipped from the room. It really was an awful thing to say, and yet it wasn't nearly as bad as the truth. When the new mom lay sleeping, the other two wives had stolen the healthy child and thrown him into a lotus pond to drown. They checked back in the pond on their way out, and... Huh. That baby was still bobbing up and down like a buoy, just cooing gently in the water, annoyingly still alive. Surprisingly buoyant for an infant. All right, uh, huh. They scooped the smiling baby out of the water and rushed him from the house. They laid some grass and straw out on the dirt, set the baby in it, and rolled him up like a little baby burrito. The water buffalo, the one that the officer owned, seeing a chunk of grass on offer and being a water buffalo, didn't really think twice about gulping it down. The women smiled to one another. It was done. The status quo was preserved. The officer's return was a joyous occasion, and before he'd set down his things, he asked about the child, the baby, how the mother was doing. Smiling, the first wife presented the husband with a plate full of gold pieces. He accepted it with honor before handing it off to a servant. Next, the middle wife held out a plate of silver pieces, and he said, thank you, bowed in return. He'd really like to see that child. A second servant whisked the gift away as the husband took an eager step down the line. He rubbed both palms together, eager for the third, promised, and highly anticipated gift. A child. He was going to hold a child. And where was the child? Oh, the first wives said together, and explained that wife number three was, well, she was embarrassed. She hadn't birthed a child in the end, and couldn't bring herself to face him. What? The officer bellowed in rage, because... Yeah, that's, that's a reasonable response. Before anyone knew what was going on, the third wife found herself in the mill, on the back lot of the property, grinding rice through her sobs. 
and that was her life, basically forever. It was a punishment that didn't fit the crime because there literally had not been one crime. Well, that was committed by the young mother. The other two wives were all about that crime, but they couldn't be happier. Days and months passed, and soon, everyone seemed to forget about the third wife toiling away in the mill, and the family went out as a group of three, as though nothing were out of the ordinary. Like a cat choosing you to be its best human friend, a baby water buffalo had chosen the husband. One morning, the husband looked down to see a water buffalo doing whatever it is a water buffalo does to show affection, and he was smitten with the little guy. They played together, rolling around. He taught him fetch. He treated the little water buffalo like it was a member of the family, giving it bits of food from the table, and it was almost like the water buffalo was a child. One day, the father sat feeding the water buffalo dumplings on the lawn, and the water buffalo held the final dumpling in its mouth. Here you go, little buddy, he cooed. Here, take another. Go give it to your mommy, the husband chuckled. The creature trotted off, carrying the dumplings to the mommy water buffalo, and trotted right past. And then almost out of sight. Huh. Well, it looked like training would take longer than he thought. Where was that little guy going? The officer got up and followed. The baby creature padded along to the forgotten wife in the mill, set down the dumpling, and waited. By then, the husband and the other wives and a few servants had gathered in astonishment. The wives, however, melted to the back of the group. I think that calf might be the baby we fed to the water buffalo. You know, the one we tried to drown but couldn't. No, yeah, I got it. Just don't say all the crimes out loud like that, the first wife said. This was not good. Not good at all. We'll see how the other wives try to kill the child again, but that will, once again, be right after this. said she was sick. She was so sick. The husband asked, you're sick? And she's like, yes, I said it twice. And the only cure is to eat the liver of that pretty little calf out there in the yard. The wife put her hand to her forehead, suddenly standing on a pair of weak legs. She must have been highly contagious because the second wife soon caught whatever illness was going around. She, however, could only be cured by the little calf's skin, like a blanket she declared, with a smile, and then <clears throat> coughed. It was deeply concerning to be at risk of losing something someone cared about, and to have his wives feeling sick, too. Well, there was no way he would slay his precious water buffalo boy. If a calf liver and calf snuggie from the family's only calf were the only remedies, then he would need to get creative. With tears running down his cheeks, the husband led the baby water buffalo to the base of a nearby mountain and let it run free. He told the baby water buffalo to get out of here. Go on, get. Leave if you know what's good for you. It wouldn't leave his side, though, so he held up a stick. Did you want to play fetch? Yeah? Daddy's boy want to play fetch? The buffalo brought back the stick a few times, until the dad really threw it, far off in the tall grass. The buffalo took a bit of time finding it, but when it returned, the husband was gone. 
it had been the only way. In short order, a steaming plate of calf liver and a thick snuggy skin were delivered to the first and second wives. The first one snarfed down her meal and declared herself miraculously well enough to get out of bed. The second flung the skin over herself on the couch and then rose as well. The dag grimace, that's like raw skin that just came off that calf. It's like still wet. Yuck. She shrugged. She guessed she was cured though. And yeah, they both had been cured by the baby calf the husband bought at the market that morning. Only the wives didn't know it. They assumed the pretty little calf was no more, judging by the forlorn looks their husband cast out the window. He was sad, of course, just not for the reason the ladies assumed. Out there, somewhere, was his precious water buffalo. And hopefully, he was safe. Ball! Here comes the ball! In all directions, young men ran up and down the hill, eyes turned towards the sky. Huang, who everybody knew, had made a surprising announcement the day before. It was a big deal because she had decided to marry. And because so many men in the village wanted to marry her, she was going to let a ball decide her fate. But not like a ball with hors d'oeuvres and a DJ, like a bouncy ball. It was the size of her head and it did bounce. Small at first, as it tumbled at the top of the hill. It quickly gained momentum, flopping left and right in unpredictable ways that made the young man that made the young man jostle and laugh. The whole thing was, you know, fun. But no one lost sight of the purpose of the game. Whoever caught the ball would become Huang's partner for life. No questions asked. That made it all the more surprising when the ball ricocheted off of one of the many eager hands and landed straight on a horn. The little calf had looked up just in time for the ball to skewer itself on one of the sharp horns with a pop. Everyone in the game gasped, including Huang. You cannot be serious, she shouted from the crest of the hill. He couldn't even be human? Very low bar to clear. But rules were rules, and not even the maker of the rules could change them now. So the silky wedding robe came out and fell atop the young water buffalo. The cheers and some laughter, but mainly cheers from the crowd, startled the creature, and it took off, followed in hot pursuit by Huang. The calf was fast, though, and soon disappeared from view. Still, Huang sprinted after her new fiancé. In a few minutes, she turned at the grove of trees, only to find the wedding robe crumpled in a pile beside a little pool, her calf was nowhere to be seen. Oh, wow, uh, there was actually a pretty handsome guy casually reclining in the pool. He beckoned her over. She thought, okay, that was a little strange. Hi, this guy looked nice, but uh, she was slated to be married to a water buffalo, so she was taken. The man smiled. You're really going to marry a young water buffalo? The woman shrugged at a self-imposed rule as a self-imposed rule. Bummer. The young man pulled something from the water. It was a skin. A water buffalo's skin. <laughs> you mean this baby water buffalo? The man asked. The look of shock on Huang's face, making him realize he severely misjudged the delivery of that line. Oh, wow, no. He 
didn't slaughter a baby water buffalo and then try to use that as a pickup line. He was the baby water buffalo. And that was better? Huang, though, breathed. Wow, okay. That was good. Things were about to get real dark. Wait, but that means... Her eyes grew wide. It was him. The calf. The man. Yes, he was her fiancé. Dad, it's me, I'm home. The young man and Huang stood beaming at the officer's home. Today was a big day for multiple reasons. Only a deep voice from inside urged them to go away. The family didn't have a son. In fact, they had no children at all. Go away. But the son didn't leave. Through the door, he explained that he was the calf let loose in the wild, now transformed back into the human he always was. Even before he finished... The door swung open, and a tall man with tears streaming down his cheeks ran out full of joy. What the first two wives had done out of jealousy came to light, and the father boiled over with anger. He called for their immediate deaths, though I'm not sure how he didn't see through the deception when he brought them a different calf and they recovered immediately, but whatever. But the son calmed him down. Could he see that maybe they were doing what they were doing not out of maliciousness, but fear? Look what he did to the water buffalo boy's own mother for an alleged stillbirth. Like, seriously, he wasn't the easiest guy to live with. And the father glowered, saying that that was fine. They wouldn't be living for too much longer anyway. Dad? Surprisingly, it was the newfound son who begged the father to show mercy to his wives. And, unlike many of the stories of this type, he forgave them and he and the son walked out to the mill. Things were different after that day. The family no longer used the mill, and the parents and child were reunited, and a daughter-in-law joined the family. They were all better off for the trials they went through. The father softened, not sending people to work forever for things that weren't actually crimes, and loving people despite their perceived faults. The son married Huang, and while he was a legitimately great guy, she was also very happy to not be married to livestock. And the mother, well, she did spend years in intense, lonely labor thinking her child was gone, but she got to see her son again. And the house she emerged to rejoin was one filled with happiness, forgiveness, and love. So there you go, two stories involving the idea of love. This week, no matter what your days look like, we hope you know that you are loved and that you matter. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, there's still a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of a spoon with the words cereal killer, cereal as in tasty breakfast carbs, and a skull and crossbones engraved on it, you can get ad-free versions of this show and bonus episodes that also include puns and may help the first meal of your day be entertaining. Sadly, our episodes are not dishwasher safe. Do not put your phone in the dishwasher. If you prefer something you can wear and share, we also have a little shop with t-shirts, stickers, and new premium journal notebooks, and more. Check it out at shop.bardic.fm. And for more info on the membership, go to mythpodcast.com membership. The creature this week is El Hombre Cayman from Colombia. So don't secretly watch people shower. 
pretty good rule to follow in life. Sol Montenegro, not a big fan of that particular rule. Also not a fan of getting caught watching women bathe in the river. So he went to a witch. Her solution was simple. She would sell him a potion that would turn him into an alligator. She gave him two potions, a red one that turned him into the reptile and a white one that would turn him back. He found a trusted friend, left the white potion with him, with instructions to leave it out in a bowl, and this worked. For a while, creepy dude Saul watched women in the river, would go and turn his hand back human, and then use the potion on the remainder of his body. Things were good, until his friend was running late. The friend, seeing a full-grown alligator charging into the clearing, freaked out and dropped the white potion, shattering it. Saul scrambled and rubbed as much on himself as he could in the mud before the dirt drank the remainder. And seeing the alligator turn into a being that was half your friend, half alligator, not being better, the buddy broke off into a run, screaming about this terrible monster. For several good reasons, Saul was shunned and outcast from his town, having to live instead down by the river. His mom was the only one who came to his aid bringing him his favorite food of cheese, yucca, and bread soaked in rum. But not for long. She died of sadness because the witch, who learned of Saul's half-transformation and all the panic and drama surrounding that, saw the writing on the wall and got out of town that same day. We don't know what happened to Saul. Some stories say the river carried him out to sea. Others say that he still lurks around the river, hunted to this day. Regardless, I think we can all agree that, really, don't watch people bathe, and also seek out witches to enable sleaziness. Just don't do it. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is a podcast by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>